It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's postseason time. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, your other host, James Rapine, here with me. It's the first episode of the podcast for the offseason, and it's Mock Draft Monday as we record this episode. James, are you ready for this offseason? It was a pretty busy day of hurry up and wait. For a lot of Bengals fans on Monday, as we were refreshing Twitter, you were talking to your sources and it was a trickle rather than, you know, a a damn breaking of news. In typical Bengals fashion, they were a little slow to the party, a little late to the party. I promise news is coming down. But yeah, the only news of the, the day on Monday, Zach's back, which is something I think we all expected the the statement is the part from the statement from Mike Brown, I think some took issue with and rightfully so, but the, the overall news of Zach Taylor being back, I don't think that surprised you, me or really anyone at this stage. No, Zach Taylor being back makes total sense. I liked Mo Egger's piece over at the athletic. He did. He talks about, you know, Mike kind of throwing it at the fans. You guys wanted Marvin gone. And and he, he has a, He has a line in the statement that Mike Brown did. The fans made clear that they wanted change and we found change. We found a young mind and we're bullish on his future. That is a a bold take. I think bullish on Taylor's future, but Hey, I get it. You decided to keep him. You got to stand by him. There are some coaching changes that have been reported. Those continue to, to be expected or confirmed by various people today. Tyler Dragon of Cincinnati Inquirer writing that Bob Bicknell is out in addition to Jamal Singleton, who's going to the University of Kentucky. We know that Jim Turner is still expected to be announced as fired any any moment now, really, any day now. Uh, that was reported by multiple sources in addition to the defensive line coaches that we talked about previously. James, over at allbengals.com, you have a couple coaches that are staying, some lower-level coaches, Jordan Kovach and... Uh, assistant offensive line coach Ben Martin. But the the big news is what's going to happen with Luana Rumo? What's going to happen with, you know, Brian Callahan? What's going on with these coordinators? And, and what other coaches are staying or going? Because the feel for a while going into week 17, which shouldn't have changed anybody's mind in the affirmative, was there's going to be an overhaul to this coaching staff. And so far, like I said, it's been more of a trickle than a waterfall. And I think the big part of this, and it was interesting, Zach talked on on Monday and he said that he's controlling his staff. Well, cue the BS meter or the BS alert or whatever you want to say, Jake, because that's not the case. Let's be real here. I mean, there yeah. were times Marvin Lewis didn't control his staff. And this was a guy who did what he did with the Bengals in the early years. He didn't go 625 and one in his first two seasons. Right. So I, I think that when you look at the next couple of days, this is going to be Mike Brown meeting 
with these assistants. They have a a vision of what they want to do, and maybe it changes. Maybe Zach fights for these guys if they are out, or maybe they're in. But we already know Bicknell out, Turner out, all these guys out that you just talked about, Nick Eason out. Well, there's a chance that Anarumo follows still. There's a chance that I, I think Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, follows still. I still expect there to be turnover and uh, it, it, just because it didn't happen yet, and maybe it, it hasn't happened while you're listening to this, and it depends on when you're listening to this, right? That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And, and I think that's the key because I know you got tweets on Monday, Jake. I got tweets. People are a little uneasy and on edge. But the, the Bengals, they take their time with this. Look, they have their head coach in place now. They announced it Monday. Now they're going to start to evaluate the staff. And all of the, the coaches I've seen to this point, and it hasn't been coordinators. All the coaches I've seen at this point that are reported, I stand by those and think that those guys are, are still out or on the move or whatever you want to say. Because a lot of those guys, their contracts were up. So it's either not retaining them or, or them picking a, another job in Jamal Singleton's case. I think the other thing to talk about with the coaches and the coaches that are being kept or dismissed or what have you is both Mike Brown and Zach Taylor talked a lot about injuries. And obviously... There were injury issues for this team this year. Depends on what measure you use, right? I found one today that uses uh, approximate value and uses games lost to injury. And by those measures, according to this metric, the Bengals were among the league lowest in games lost to injury. In April, probably, we'll get the Football Outsiders adjusted games lost report. That's another one that looks at games lost to injury. And it's pretty hard to compare teams to other teams because, you know, you look at a team like the 49ers, they lose Jimmy Garoppolo, they lose Raheem Mostert numerous times, they lose Joey Bosa, etc. They had a ton of injuries and obviously were the most injured team in the league. But then you look at the Bengals and, you know, whenever you lose your quarterback, it's going to look pretty severe. But the Bengals also at various times, you know, were without Jonah Williams, Joe Mixon missed most of the year. Geno Atkins was a shell of his former self, and, and that could be because of injury. We think it probably was. And there are some pretty important players that the Bengals lost to injury. Trey Wayne's never played. DJ Reader hurt early in the season. Apparently, that doesn't qualify the Bengals to be one of the most injured teams in the league, but they are key positions. And when you don't have quality depth, which the Bengals obviously did not this year, or you don't have coaches that can maximize that depth, which perhaps the Bengals did not this year either, then it can look like it did. And so the injury excuse does feel like an excuse to me. And there, there's certainly some validity to it. Whenever you lose Joe Burrow, it's going to look significantly different. But that doesn't explain the, the results of the last two seasons, right? And so if that's why you're keeping Zach Taylor, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than, you know, we need to see what he can do with a healthy roster because that's just not how it works in the NFL. You just don't get to make that assumption. You don't. And you're right. If, if everything went right, then everyone would be good. There wouldn't be busts. How, how many busts in the league are busts because of the, the coaches that, that didn't believe in them or injuries or whatever the case may be? And so you're right, and that's why going into this year, and this is why the Bengals are, are way too smart to just let Zach pick his staff, it's prove-it time. It's prove-it time for Zach. And while you and I would have fired him 
And I'm not going to run from that. And I don't care if he goes 16 and 0 next year. I'm still not going to run from it because it's unprecedented for a coach like him to turn it around in year three. But if he doesn't, he's out. And and, and so that's the the part of this that I think we need to to talk about uh, to a degree is one. You're right. Injuries aren't an excuse. But there's going to be some injury issues potentially at the start of 2021 already. So if they're going to continue to use it as an excuse, like Mike Brown did in the statement, like Zach did multiple times. He did after the the Ravens game. We had some guys out and, and really tried to use that as a crutch. And he might not say it, but when you mention that multiple times in news conferences, that that's what that's doing. Well, they have them built in now, Jake, for 2021. And this cannot, it cannot be the case. Joe Burrow, are we sure he's going to be back? Oh, well, what about your starting center and Trey Hopkins, who tore his ACL on Sunday, probably won't be back, certainly not for the start of training camp, probably not back for the start of the season. It depends on when he can have surgery and all of those things. I mean, we're in January now. And even if it's just an ACL, that's that's tough to come back from that quick. So, yeah, I, I, I think that Zach's back, but the injury excuses, reasons, whatever the hell, because there are uh, some Zach apologists out there. They're out the door now, and it's prove-it time, and it's win ball games time. And so whoever he decides to roll with, coaching staff-wise, there are no excuses now. And I think if there's any beauty in keeping him, it's that, all right, prove it, sink or swim. And if he swim, if he sinks, then he could sink at 2-5, and five, and we could be talking about an interim head coach midway through next season. Yeah, I mean, that would be much like the 90s comparisons that we've made, right? Where they give him the extra year and then they figure out, oh, that was a mistake. And now we've wasted a year. So hopefully that's not the case, right? We're we're going to be looking for ways for them to make the most of this. We're going to be talking about the ways that, that they can make this turnaround happen maybe more quickly than you expect. Make it happen next year because I think... That is the expectation. It needs to happen next year. And one of the ways they're going to do that is obviously the draft. The draft coming up, the Bengals picking fifth officially. That cannot move. And it's Mock Draft Monday, James. We're going to look at a few mock drafts from around the internet, from the Draft Network, from PFF, from some other websites. And then it's time, James. We're in the offseason. It's time to do our first simulated mock of the year. Mock Draft Monday starts next. Before we get there, maybe you want to place some bets on the AFC North game that's happening on Wild Card Weekend. The Cleveland Browns playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Pittsburgh favored in that game by four and a half points. Maybe instead you want to bet on a team you actually like, and I know a lot of you are Ohio State fans. Ohio State currently plus seven and a half. They're more than a touchdown underdogs against Alabama for Monday night's game. That's at 8 p.m. on the 11th. And if you want to get those bets in, those odds come from betonline.ag, the only place we go for odds, for betting, and the only place we trust to get it all done. BetOnline.ag has a special welcome bonus for you right now to make it even better. You can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and use that promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mock Draft Monday is back. I mean, it's been back for a while, I guess, but it's really back today. We're going to do our first simulated mock draft in the final segment of the show. Before we get there, James, I've got three mock drafts pulled up right now. One from the Draft Network, one from PFF, one from CBS Sports that all have the Bengals drafting different players and with different players going from picks one to four. I figure we'll go through some possibilities, talk about some scenarios, and the first one we'll go with is probably the best case scenario for the Bengals. This comes from Joe Marino, Locked On Bills host, by the way, also writes for the Draft Network, and he has four quarterbacks going with picks one through four. Trevor Lawrence first to the Jaguars, Justin Fields to the Jets. Then he has the Carolina Panthers trading up with Miami to number three to draft Zach Wilson. The Falcons staying put at four for Trey Lance and the Bengals get to pick. And it's not a very hard decision. Do I want Penny Sewell or do I want, I don't know, any of the wide receivers or Kyle Pitts or something if that happens, the Bengals' decision is made for them. They take the prospect that some people describe as the Chase Young of the offensive side of the football in Penny Sewell, and you turn your card in and you go to bed happy on Thursday night when they do the first round of the draft. And that's the thing is there's still a chance that Sewell drops the five. And I, I do think it's it's realistic. The first tackle last year went for Andrew Thomas. And, and so – is it that crazy to think that he could fall to five? No. And, and so uh, about this scenario, is it likely that four quarterbacks go? Not necessarily. But what if Miami wants a wide receiver? <laughs> well, you know, what if they they go that route? What, what if they stay put and take a quarterback? Wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. And I think it's something that they may consider. So this scenario, while I don't think it's the most likely thing, I do think that it's possible. And it's one of the many we'll talk about. And if you can land Sewell and stand Pat, it's a pretty good, pretty good option. And that even here's the other thing, Jake. I would be open to Sewell even if they address tackle in free agency, because odds are they're not going to get two high end tackles of the future for the next five years, right? And Jonah Williams has an injury history. I think he's versatile enough to move anywhere on that line outside of center. And suddenly you have holes all across the line with Trey Hopkins injury. So why not be open to even if you would sign a Taylor Moton, if, if Sewell's there and he's the best player on your board, why not be open to him at five? I think absolutely you're open to him. Even if you do go sign Taylor Moton, like you said, or Moton, I'm not sure. And, and it's interesting Four quarterbacks in the first four picks. I feel like this is something that gets mocked. A lot of the times you see mock drafters say, I'm going to trade up for a quarterback because History has that happen a lot. Didn't happen in 2020. And that's what I find interesting about this. The Bengals stay at number one. They pick Joe Burrow. Washington says, we're going to roll the dice with Dwayne Haskins. They pick Chase Young. And instead of going with one of the quarterbacks there or trading back for a team that wants a quarterback, they pick Chase Young. And the difference there is there's a blue chip edge rusher. 
This year it's a blue chip tackle, but last year, and some evaluators have said this already, there were several blue chip tackles. And so it's not like last year's class was tackle poor. Jeff Akuda goes third to the Lions, and he was another guy that on paper looked like a flawless corner prospect or as close to as you can get. He was a unanimously he was unanimously seen as a very, very good prospect. Then you have Andrew Thomas for Miami gets to stay put and pick Tua at five, and the Chargers get to stay put and draft Herbert at six. And so does that happen again? Is there an early run on wide receivers instead, or does the tackle go earlier? Let's go on to our next scenario. This one from Mike Renner at PFF. And in this scenario, we see Trevor Lawrence go first. Zach Wilson go second to the Jets. The Dolphins in this scenario stay put. They take Sewell. The 49ers take Justin Fields. This 49ers in this scenario trading up with Atlanta to get a quarterback. And then the Bengals have to pick, okay, do I want Jamar Chase? Do I want to take one of these other tackles or receivers? Do I want to maybe consider an edge rusher here? There isn't necessarily a top five worthy edge rusher in this class. So Mike has them going with Jamar Chase. We've seen this one a lot recently and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a very good argument that Jamar Chase is as good a wide receiver prospect as AJ Green. This was a guy that dominated the SEC at just 19 years old. He doesn't have the the length or the height of AJ Green. But he has incredible production at a very young age, and we know that's something that the Bengals care about. They care about production at a young age. Jamar Chase has that in spades, obviously has familiarity with Joe Burrow as well. And when you talk about the Bengals' wide receiving core, the long-term vision, I don't want to knock T. Higgins, but he's dealt with a hamstring now for basically all of 2020, right? The combine, he was dealing with it. And he dealt with it in in, in training camp and, and, and stuff like that, even though it was more non-contact camp and a less physical camp. And then really had to nurse it all throughout the year. And, and so there there is a little bit of a, okay, is he going to be the number one? Is he going to be reliable? All, all of those things. You, you just wonder about it a little bit. But obviously the numbers speak for themselves and you hope he develops and becomes that star that you drafted him to be. Tyler Boyd is what he is, right? Extremely consistent. But if the Bengals are truly going to unlock Joe Burrow, which – they have to do getting a guy like Chase or maybe they think it's Jalen Waddle or insert whoever that has to be an option. And, and so for the key, the key to them drafting Chase and feeling good about it to me is addressing the offensive line and free agency. And, and if, if they can do that, then you're OK with the scenario. Then you're not reaching for another offensive lineman or desperately trying to trade down because you're like, oh, you're telling me that I can pair. Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow, hell yeah, I want to do that. Let's roll. Let, let's let's get Zach Taylor another weapon and see if he his offense can really be what we hired it to be in this make or break third season. So I, I would not be mad ag- about this pick at all. This is obviously assuming that they've done something offensive line-wise and free agency. And I don't mean signing a Xavier Suofilo-type prospect for three years, $9 million. Yeah, I think that if you're going to make the wide receiver pick, it means that you have done something in free agency. Agree with that. And I also think it means you are looking for that offensive line prospect you really like at the top of round two, or even being prepared to trade into the bottom of the first round to get a guy that you like that's falling. And the the issue here is they just have to get it right. If they go wide receiver first, you can feel really good about Jamar Chase's 
chance at success in the NFL. I think that I feel really good about that right now. By the mm-hmm. way, you talk about other wide receiver choices. Jalen Waddle back at practice for Alabama. We might get to see him play in the national championship, and that could Ooh. make things interesting. Last one we're going to talk about, James. This comes from Josh Edwards at CBS Sports, and the reason we're doing this one is because it's a little bit different. They've got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields first and second, Sewell third, Zach Wilson fourth, but instead of going wide receiver this time, they've got the Bengals picking Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. He didn't play this year, but famously shut down Chase Young two years ago, and then he was just a sophomore. So there's some concerns about his length, but a lot of people think he's the second best tackle prospect in this class. And this is why you address tackle and free agency. (laughs) You cannot put all of your eggs in the, we're going to fix it in the draft because if Sewell gets taken, then you might be forced to take the second best guy. And this is nothing against Slater, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure. If you're the fifth overall pick, you're not the best player on the board and he won't be at five. I just, I would be shocked if he is the best player but he might fit the the Bengals need the most, but that's a lot of pressure. Ask Billy Price. Up next, we're going to continue mock draft Monday, but we're going to simulate things and do our own mock here on Locked on Bengals. By the way, the weather's changing. Winter is here. It's freezing. Well, guess what? You need to make sure your car is reliable, that it gets you from point A to point B, and rockauto.com is here to help you do just that. They have millions of parts for all different car makes and models. Over 300 different car manufacturers can be found at rockauto.com. Parts for all of them. So you drive an Audi, you drive a Daewoo, you drive a Toyota like me, they got what you need at rockauto.com. It's a family business. It served auto parts customers for more than two decades. And the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mock Draft Monday rolls on. And Jake, let's start with a mock simulation from the Draft Network. And this one gives us a shot at the man I think most fans want the Bengals to take with the fifth overall pick. Trevor Lawrence goes number one overall. A shocker at number two as the Jets get Jamar Chase to pair with Denzel Mims in New York. Jalen Waddle three, which is an even bigger shock, but maybe not if he plays well in the national championship game and has a good combine. Justin Fields four. We got to take him, right? We got to take Penny Sewell. Yeah, I think you absolutely do. So let's talk about how you get there, right? So in this scenario, the Jets have decided Jamar Chase is the guy we're going to put him with. Sam Darnold, we picked a tackle last year. We're not going to go offensive line. We really like 
Makai Becton. We see him as the cornerstone player. And and we think, you know what? Let's go. Let's keep building this offense. Let's say Sam Darnold's going to be the guy. Let's say the new coach in New York decides, I'm going to stick with Sam Darnold. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think I can unlock him. I do think this is a little bit unlikely. But if that is going to be the case, Denzel Mims showed quite a bit when he could get on the field for the Jets this year. And there's a lot of dysfunction on that team, generally speaking. But Jamar Chase being the best receiver in the draft, potentially depending on the the evaluation that you believe in going second overall, shouldn't shock anybody. Not necessarily. Like you could easily see this being a tackle if you think they're going to continue to build around Darnold. You could easily see this being a quarterback. The very next pick is Miami taking Jalen Waddell. So say Waddle has a fantastic national championship game. He looks healthy. This could make a lot of sense too. A lot of teams are still chasing their own version of Tyreek Hill. We saw it last year. Teams just continuing to draft the undersized, speedy guys. And Jalen Waddle has a ton of productivity to go with it. Could totally see that happening. Again, right now, it seems like something that's a bit far-fetched. But it's something that in my mind is at least conceivable. And then at the fourth pick, of course, if the quarterback is still there for Atlanta, you can totally see them taking a quarterback, right? Saying, you know what, we're going to close the book on Matt Ryan and we'll, we'll go quarterback here. So the Bengals, all their dreams come true. And there's a couple things they could do at this point. We take Penny Sewell, but there's certainly uh, an option where you get a very appealing trade offer from somebody. Say San Francisco in this mock draft gets Zach Wilson all the way down at 12. Again, obviously that is a little bit unlikely, but that's the next quarterback drafted. Say Zach Wilson is a guy for San Francisco. They really want to make sure they get him. They want to trade up. They offer you a couple first round picks. Then I think it's something that you have to consider. That's all. You just have to consider it. I think more likely you just sit there and do what we did here. We, we took Penny Sewell. That's the obvious answer to me. It is. And, but the, the most likely scenario is, you know, maybe Waddle doesn't go third and it, that's Sewell. And then you're spot on. That's when I think you trade back from five. Hopefully someone comes up for Wilson or one of the other quarterbacks, depending on who goes. But if Sewell's there, it's going to be tough not to take him unless you've just done so much in free agency that it's like, okay, we got to address one of these other spots. You know, we talk about Jamar Chase so much. Well, Devonta Smith's about to win the damn Heisman, right? So that's the guy, and he ends up going seventh overall to the Lions. I wouldn't, I'd be shocked, right, if they didn't take Sewell instead after five years, really, of struggling in the trenches. But maybe they address things so much and spend, you know, $45 million for three different guys just for the 2021 season where they have a tackle in two guards or something where they say, hey, we actually don't want Sewell here. We're going to go the other way. I don't see that being the case. And if he's there, I expect them to take him. It would be interesting. So say the Bengals were to trade back, you go back to 12. Then you're looking at a guy like Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech, who I think is another fantastic tackle prospect, also available still in this particular mock draft for Sean Slater, Liam Eichenberg, Jalen Mayfield, who's a new name to me at tackle from Michigan. Also, if they wanted to go interior offensive line, although some people think he can play tackle, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC goes 14th. So the options do change quite a bit. If you trade back, you're not getting Quiddy Pae, who is, I think right now, the consensus best edge rusher in the draft from Michigan. You're probably missing on those first three receivers. You're probably missing on the best corners in the class too. If they wanted to go corner or find themselves, God forbid, needing to go corner, 
Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a pretty unforgivable situation. I think they have to build the offense, but just talking about the scenarios here, and obviously it's January. We're going to learn a lot more in the next few months. And this is the Kyle Pitts scenario, right? If you trade back to 12, he fell to 15 to the Patriots. That's when you feel comfortable potentially drafting in there because you're right, you're going to miss out on the top receivers. But maybe you're like, oh my God, Kyle Pitts is still there. We've already addressed our offensive line. We trade back, we add picks, and we can get the top tight end in the the draft. So I don't see Pitts as being a realistic option at five. But if you trade down to 12, I think he's certainly in play. Something to consider because now looking at the clock as we're on it, or looking at the guys available as we're on the clock, I should say, in the second round, picking 37th, say that you've acquired San Francisco's second round pick. That's the 44th pick. And you're sitting on the clock at 37 having picked Pitts. In this case, we've picked Penesuo, so it's a little bit different. But looking at the guys available on the offensive line, you could go Sam Cosme here. And if Mm. you're telling me that you could get out of the first 45 picks with Kyle Pitts, Sam Cosme, and whoever you're picking at 44, then I think you're you're pretty happy with that, even though you've missed out on Penesuo. Instead, we picked Sewell. We're on the clock at 37. And to me, the best guys available are some offensive line prospects here again, James. So let's talk through the options a little bit here. You've got Sam Cosme from Texas, who I would have drafted if he came out last year. He improved this year. I think he's a fantastic prospect. There's Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, who's regressed a little bit this year in his second year at tackle. Staying on the offensive line, their interior offensive lineman, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Long seen as the best interior offensive lineman, the best guard prospect in this draft class. And there's Trey Smith from Tennessee. Those are some guys you consider. You could also look wide receiver, Terrence Marshall, the height, speed, LSU connection there with Joe Burrow is an option. And Kadarius Toney at wide receiver, Chris Olave at wide receiver. Anybody else standing out to you on the list? Not really. You name most of them. I really like Tony. I think he would certainly be in play here. If the Bengals don't get that speed downfield element uh, in the, the the free agency process and in this scenario where they have Sewell and they probably signed an offensive lineman or two. But this is maybe the the good version of what the Bengals tried to do back in 2015, right, where they got a boy, he and Fisher. If Cosme's there, maybe they really like Leatherwood, even though you're right, he, he did sh- take a step back this year. If you can get Sewell at five, What's the harm in doubling down at 37 and getting one of these tackles? Uh, You know, maybe that means they play guard. Maybe that means Jonah kicks inside and plays guard. Here's what I know. The Bengals have to get way, 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 way better in the trenches. And that doesn't mean that they don't have other areas to improve on. Of course, I want them to add a a speed threat. And hopefully they do that either in the, the first two days of the draft or in free agency but in this situation, Jake, I, I would lean Cosme. I, I would lean Leatherwood. I, I would kind of be in that realm, maybe even a Wyatt Davis, like you mentioned, because it's not just the tackle position, even though that's been such an issue since Andrew Whitworth left. Their guard play was horrendous for most of 2020. So if you're telling me, especially if you traded back, but in this scenario, if you didn't, and, and you're getting Sewell at five and then Wyatt Davis you're talking about two huge pieces, one at left tackle and one on the interior that are going to make a big, big difference right away, expected to at least make a big difference right away. And here's what I would do here, James. I I wouldn't fault anybody for the Wyatt Davis pick because you're improving your offensive line at three positions. 
hypothetically anyway, with the Wyatt Davis pick, with Penny Sewell in the fold, with Jonah Williams coming back. I would take Sam Cosme here because mm-hmm. I think that Cosme and Sewell can be bookend tackles. And you're right. It would be hopefully the, the good version, the successful version of what the Bengals failed to do with the boy, he and Fisher. Sam Cosme is a guy that I would have picked last year. Like I said, I think he's a great tackle prospect. I think that he could very well go mid first round. I don't expect him to be available in the top of the second round. So if you want to go on the more realistic side, you take a guard, you take Trey Smith from Tennessee, who's the guard that's more likely to be here at this point. Still a guy you're pretty happy with. You could also go Terrence Marshall here. Uh, uh, If you talk about a speed downfield wide receiver option, Terrence Marshall could very easily be that for this team. So I think there are a lot of ways you could go here. You'd be relatively happy with. You could even go corner. We're not going to talk too much about this, but Asante Samuel Jr. is a guy that I've liked in mock drafts in the second round for much of the season. And you know what? This is a perfect scenario to trade down, (laughs) right? Because we went over like five of the six guys in the Bengals. Historically, they didn't last year, but they're used to trading down. They traded down, drafted Drew Sample. They traded down, drafted Jesse Bates. They trade down in the second round. And if this is the case, especially if they stay at five, they have needs. Maybe they move from 37 to, where do you think? Well, 44. And they're still able to get Leatherwood, or they're still able to get Davis, or they're still able to get Trey Smith, and, and maybe Chris Olave, or you know any of these guys. You, you mentioned Marshall. So that would be the other option, and I think that's the the appeal. If you stay at five, odds are a trade back at 37 could benefit you, even if you're moving down five or six spots. Gets a lot harder to project trade value and return in the second round, at least for me off the top of my head, than it does in the first round. But for for the sake of making a pick here, I think that Wyatt Davis is a guy that we could agree on here. I think that he he addresses the guard need. You've got your tackles in Jonah and Sewell at that point. And maybe this assumes that, you know, they sign a guy like Curtis Samuel at wide receiver, right? And so you don't feel the pressing need for a wide receiver. You feel pretty good about Samuel T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Then you could go go get an offensive lineman like Wyatt Davis here. What do you think? I love that. And, and here's the other scenario. Like, what if, and we already talked about this, even if you sign uh, Taylor Moten, and I say Moten or Moton, I have no idea how to say his name, the left tackle from Carolina, and then Sewell falls to five, you still take him. And now you have your tackle spots shored up, and your backup tackle is going to start for you at guard in Jonah Williams. And, and now you're feeling really good. And then if a Wyatt Davis or someone's there specifically, if you, you trade back and even if you don't, you, you're suddenly you've just overhauled your entire offensive line. And uh, that's the minimum for me this offseason is com- significantly improving the offensive line. There are other upgrades that they need to make and we have plenty of time to talk about it. But in this scenario, if they end up with Sewell and Wyatt Davis, regardless of what they do in free agency, I think most fans would be happy. Tell us what you think on Twitter of the draft returns of Penny Sewell and Wyatt Davis with no trades made, two picks that I think go a long way in improving the offensive line for 2021. We're back tomorrow with a midweek mailbag, our first of the offseason, before maybe we transition it back to a weekend mailbag like we did last offseason. But that is coming up tomorrow. We might have some more coaching news for you too. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.